You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back into another edition of NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. We got a ton of stuff to get to ahead of week four in the NFL season. But we need to update you on who this podcast is going to stand from now on. Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. is joining me, of course. Justice was out last week, so he didn't get to provide his argument. And I'm a total moron. I'll take the blame for it. But I totally forgot to submit Sam Darnold and Justin Herbert for our weekly NFL Reacts polls this week. So we're going to leave it up for another week. We're going to give Justice an opportunity to add his guy who we should be representing on this podcast moving forward. So we'll get to that. Uh, we've also got a fresh batch of NFL Reacts polls that we need to get to, and then we'll dive into some of our favorite fantasy matchups of the week. Before we do all that, though, we do have to ask you to drop that five-star review for this particular show on the SB Nation NFL show. Not four stars. We're in the five-star business, so please leave a review and send us a screenshot of that on Twitter. Uh, maybe I'll send you a box of Russell Wilson's bread or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. Just please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing. Justice, let's get to it. Who are we going to represent? I had Sam Darnold. Kate had Justin Herbert last week. Who are you trying to stand? Yeah, as much – I mean, Kate already took my Oregon Duck, so – that that's a tough one getting the rug pulled out from under me there. Um, I, I think the quarterback who's the most interesting to keep tabs on week to week at this point is honestly Derek Carr. Cause we've, we've seen him do this before. We haven't seen the consistency. Um, we're seeing it consistently right now. Uh, it'll be interesting. He he's the one guy that like, I'm already checking in on weekly. You know, I'm looking at DraftKings right now. He's top 10 for MVP, uh, MVP odds surprising Kyler Murray's number one I wouldn't I wouldn't have guessed that but Derek Carr top 10 MVP I mean he's up there with you know every superstar you know quarterback in the league and I just still have questions about it so I'm just more interested in like the week-to-week roller coaster of Derek Carr and like do we believe in it oh no the scaries are back you know like that type of dynamic that's an interesting choice. Like like my argument for Sam Darnold last week, I don't think anybody's planted the flag on wanting to be the Derek Carr podcast, but he has been fantastic this season. I think he is going to keep this thing up because he's just slinging it every week. Like the Raiders are a legitimately fun team to watch this season, and a lot of it has to do with Derek Carr just playing it at MVP level. I actually kind of dig it because nobody really likes Derek Carr. Like, I feel like he gets a really bad rap. Everybody talks trash on Derek Carr as a player. So maybe we can carve out that corner for ourselves. Yeah, Raiders fans, you know, there's plenty of them too. Uh, 
you know, if they, they want to uh, take us to Vegas or something like that, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, yeah, I mean, Derek Carr, he just has – he has a machine at tight end, right? He has a machine at tight end. Rugs can run crossers across the field anytime you're in single high, and he's going to get wide open on an explosive play. And then uh, Hunter Renfro is just running these, like, five stem routes that somehow end up open, you know, near near uh, the, the goal line. And it's just a really interesting team. I mean, they haven't lost a game yet. Um, they're doing really well this year. Their defense is, you know, as touch and go as Derek Carr is at this point. Like, I feel like the Raiders probably, in terms of, like, how the last, what is it now, 15 weeks? of the season, the last 15 weeks of the season, how it's going to go. I feel like they have the most volatility, you know, where they could win the AFC West. I mean, the, the chiefs are in the spot right now where two losses, that's huge in that division, or they could just like completely tap out and, and like miss the playoffs completely in the second half, you know, of the season. Yeah. We kind of saw it last season with the Raiders where they upset the chiefs about midway point through the season. And they looked like they were a playoff team and then they just kind of fell apart. So but that's why I'm touch and go with Derek Carr. Cause we've seen this before. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. haven't seen like three, three weeks in a row. Like we have with them right now, but we've seen this version of Derek Carr before. And then he just like reverts back to Alex Smith. That's why I like, I have to, to understand what is happening in the NFL. Like, I have to watch Derek Carr every week anyway. So I'm okay with us being the Derek Carr podcast. But Justin Herbert, I mean, you had a good point. No, we could just plant our flag first man on the moon with the Sam Darnold podcast. But Justin Herbert, too. I mean, he's having a great season. He looks like he's it. He looks like young Dan Marino. And I love that, uh, you know, he can just keep telling kids, like, go to Oregon. We make quarterbacks. Go to Oregon. We make quarterbacks. Yeah. If. I'm being totally honest, and for me as a football fan, if I could pick out of one of those three, and I know I'm the Sam Darnold guy here, Justin Herbert's obviously the most fun person <laughs> that we could that we could root for. But Derek Carr, Sam Darnold, some dark horse candidates on this thing. So I promise I will remember to put those on the NFL Reacts polls this week. That way we have a definitive answer next Friday when we step into the NFL Reacts show. Uh, we do have a ton of stuff to get to. I want to run through some fantasy injuries, some key injuries that we probably need to pay attention to as we head into Sunday. Rams running back Daryl Henderson returned to practice in a limited capacity this week. Uh, there is a chance he could return after missing last week. So if you got Sony Michelle and Daryl Henderson doesn't play, I think you can put Sony Michelle into your lineup this week. But if Daryl Henderson's a go, do not play Sony Michelle. AJ Brown and Julio Jones have not practiced all week. Uh, both of them looking very iffy for this weekend. Uh, major bummer, especially for A.J. Brown owners who were drafting him as a number one wide receiver. And it just hasn't really worked out so far early in the season, but obviously he's incredibly talented. Hope you get back healthy and soon, A.J. Josh Jacobs, limited again this week. We were just talking about the Raiders, uh, Justice, and John Gruden just doesn't seem very optimistic that Josh Jacobs is going to be available this week. So, Keep yeah, an he, eye on he that. called them questionable already. So I'd be yeah. when when you're getting that questionable tab that early on in the week, um, before like the injury reports come out on Friday, it, it's it's not looking good uh, in terms of like optimism for him to play on Sunday. 
Yeah. So we don't feel very confident in Josh Jacobs being available this weekend. Uh, Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson was missing practice this week with uh, what they called a sore back. I don't think there's any worry that he's not going to play. He missed some practices last week, too. It just kind of seems to be what the Ravens are doing with Lamar right now. Uh, Rob Gronkowski missed practice this week, but he did return to practice on Friday. And the Bucks were optimistic he'd be available all week long dealing with a rib injury. It sounds like Gronk's going to be a go. We do have to pay attention to George Kittle, though. He has missed practice all week. He's dealing with a calf injury that he suffered in last week's game. And it sounds like there's a chance George Kittle might not be available Sunday, so you got to make sure you keep tabs on that. And Dalvin Cook, who missed last week, did return to practice this week in a limited capacity. We'll kind of keep an eye on that as well. Sounds like he's going to be available this week, but uh, we haven't gotten official word or anything like that. So keep an eye on Dalvin Cook. Justice, we talked a lot on NFL University on Wednesday about this Eagles offense going into a matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. Obviously, for fantasy gambling purposes, Jalen Hurts is an effective quarterback in that realm, but he hasn't necessarily been an effective quarterback in a football sense so far outside of that game against the Atlanta Falcons. And we know now that the Atlanta Falcons just look like they're one of the worst teams in football. So headed into this game, how are you feeling about the Eagles offense going against one of the worst defenses in the NFL so far in the Kansas city chiefs? Well, are they going to run the damn ball? Cause they, I, hope so. <laughs> I have my standards everywhere. Yeah, they didn't they didn't run the ball on Monday night. Um, you know, I I tuned in probably midway through the first quarter for that game and then started watching the Manning cast. And, you know, they they said, you know, they opened like six straight passes. And I was like, uh oh, Eagles, do you realize that you don't have the firepower to keep up with this offense? Like if you're gonna run the ball, you gotta get them in. So I would be very that that would be like a game that I would be paying very close attention to in terms of like live betting, for example. Um if if the Eagles come out and they throw three straight passes on their first three plays, I'm just hammering Chiefs, hammering Chiefs. Because if you you're not running the ball on the Chiefs, you're you're doing it wrong. You know, I I think that's the way that you can kind of find mismatches. You know, even when we've talked about the Chiefs run game and in them being able to like keep up in those kind of like sloppy games, um, and how they've improved their offensive line and how. You know, they in the preseason, they were using a lot of these spread runs concepts that are coming from college. They're not really showing it in games, you know, as much. It seems like they still want to be a passing team, even when the opposing defense is kind of asking them to run the ball. So just lean into it, like make it as sloppy as possible. Like you are you are the Philadelphia Eagles. Your starting quarterback is Jalen Hurts. You're going against Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. You need to make this ugly. Yeah, it's the least entertaining this game is, the better it is for the Philadelphia Eagles. Absolutely. Because Nick Sirianni said it after the game on Monday night against the Cowboys. Like, yeah, I probably should have ran the ball more. When the Eagles offense stepped on the field and I was like, all right, let's run the football. Let's get Miles Sanders involved. And then they immediately just... Pass, 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 and, and three. You're and opening out. script. Yo, like, you, you practice like, this. Oh no. oh, no. This is a problem. This is going to get bad quick. And then Miles Sanders didn't touch the ball until halfway through the second quarter. So I don't know what Nick Sirianni was doing there. Maybe he thought, this is how we get Jalen going. This is how we turn him into a passer, is just 
We're going to try to sling it out of the gate. It immediately blew up in their face. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think they absolutely have to run the football. I hope Miles Sanders gets involved, and I think he will this week. I think this is a really good matchup for him. And I talked about it a little bit earlier this week. I don't see this as a close game like for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they should absolutely win this one easily and for my sanity i hope they win it easily because it makes my life a lot easier when the chiefs aren't in these one possession games that last until the last 60 seconds of the fourth quarter so this is the game where they should get right but i still think there's going to be opportunity for the eagles to score points in this game i just have a feeling like it's going to be like some garbage time fantasy points or something like that so i think you should absolutely get miles sanders into your lineup I want to talk about Devontae Smith for a second, though. We've talked about how this offense is struggling to pass the football. Devontae Smith looked fantastic week one against Atlanta. And then since then, all of their wide receivers have been really up and down. Now, they did have a Jalen Rieger touchdown that was called back a couple of weeks ago because of a penalty. And so that hurts the numbers a little bit here. But Devontae Smith is still their number one wide receiver. Is this more a Jalen hurts thing because it seems like Devonte Smith is getting open and like, he looks like he's a, a polished wide receiver is a rookie. Yeah. I mean, my, my buddy, uh, Nate Tice, right. So his pops coach, Randy Moss in Minnesota. Um, he talked about Devonte Smith as like sawed off Randy Moss, basically like he's thin. He can run like hell. Um, he, he doesn't have the length that Randy necessarily has, but I think we're kind of seeing him, bloom as a wide receiver early on and I guess the big worry if you were optimistic about uh Devonta Smith being kind of that number one wide receiver in Philadelphia you know his rookie year was like maybe Rieger takes over you know he's second year second year there um in the league and you know maybe he's the one getting touches but we we're not seeing them feed Rieger like that we're not seeing you know Quez Watkins had some explosive plays in the preseason we're not seeing him being fed the ball, you know, more than more than Devonta is. So I think just moving forward, just assume Devonta is going to be their number one. Yeah, and he's obviously the most talented wide receiver they have. Quez Watkins is an exciting young player who is obviously very explosive. He had, I think, one of the longest receptions I've ever seen that didn't result in a touchdown a couple of weeks ago when he had a 91 yard catch that didn't score. Uh, so, but he's nothing more than like a daily fantasy dart throw, or like if you're dealing with a lot of injuries, Devonte Smith is the dude that you want in this offense. I don't want Zach Ertz or uh, Dallas Goddard in my fantasy line. Oh, they were like not there on on Monday. I mean, we were looking for the tight ends all night. Yeah. I, they just they weren't throwing the ball to him. Yeah, and this was supposed to be. We've been talking for years now about like the Dallas Goddard breakout season. And it just hasn't happened. The Eagles were talking about trading Zach Ertz. They didn't. They're still both splitting time. They're both getting targets every week. That's just bad for gambling. That's bad for fantasy. So I, I don't think you can rely on either of those guys in your lineups moving forward. But Devontae Smith, if I have to start one Eagles player outside of Miles Sanders or, or Jalen Hurts, it's Devontae Smith. So I think that's the dude you absolutely want. And I think that as the season goes on, they'll kind of figure out some of those growing pains and maybe be a little bit more reliable in that regard. So he's a guy that I would actually go buy in my fantasy leagues right now, because I think there's going to be a lot of fantasy owners who are down on him. 
another guy that fantasy owners are very down on and rightfully should be bears wide receiver, Allen Robinson, who has just really struggled so far this season. Uh, we've talked a ton about the bears and that Matt Nagy offense and him refusing to adjust and basically setting up Justin Fields for failure. We don't know if Fields is going to start this week. Andy Dalton may be available. He, they won't confirm anything in Chicago. So we'll see how that goes after last week's disaster. I can't say that you should put Justin Fields in your lineup. We got to see if they adjust and change some things to actually give him a chance to be an effective football player. But Allen Robinson's a guy that you're supposed to be able to rely on each and every week. He's supposed to be a wide receiver one and it just hasn't happened. So I'm benching Allen Robinson in some leagues this week, depending on who I have available. I certainly don't feel comfortable relying on him to you know come out and have a breakout game or anything like that like I, I just don't feel like I can rely on anybody in this Bears passing game yeah I mean I agree with you the the way that they're using Justin Fields and they're just making him a quick game quarterback that's that's bad process that's bad process if you spent four picks on Justin Fields and you try to make him that um yeah you're gonna go through some growing pains and to your point I mean it's across the board. It's not that like another wide receiver is taking touches away from Allen Robinson. It's just like that Bears offense can't move. So you don't want to you don't want any piece of that. I, I would say, I mean, at this point, with if, if their structure isn't going to change, right? You'd rather play Allen Robinson when Dalton is in there than when Justin Fields is in there. Even if you do think like Justin Fields is upside if you were in like the quote unquote like correct offense for him is higher, right? Yeah, it's it does seem like that's the case because it's the what the Bears are doing right now is just better suited for what Andy Dalton does. So if Andy Dalton's a starter, yeah, maybe I consider putting Allen Robinson back into my lineup. But right now he's hurting your fantasy lineup more than he's helping it. Uh same could be said for Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley. And we know Ridley, superstar. I He's one of my favorite wide receivers in the NFL. It just hasn't worked so far for Atlanta. And what we're really seeing with this offense is Arthur Smith just isn't interested in throwing the football down the field is what it seems like. Because Calvin Ridley, who was one of the best deep threats in the league last season, is just not getting targets down the football field. They're just not sending him deep. And that's where he excelled and made a lot of NFL secondaries look silly last year. I don't know how we can fix this. Arthur Smith needs to change some stuff up, like get Calvin Ridley the ball, get him free and open downfield because we know he's a superstar wide receiver. Yeah. And they're playing heavier than anyone in terms of personnel offensively. Like, they're down in these games and they're still rolling out, you know, two tight ends or a tight end and a fullback. It, it's brutal. I mean, the only other team that really plays that heavy is the Raiders, but they get they get into that heavy personnel to pass. And then, you know, uh, I'm spacing on the name of their tight end right now. He, he's great. The kid from Darren Georgia Waller, State. Darren Waller. Um, he's not really like a tight end. So like their their uh, personnel packages are, are a little funky where it's like, you have two tight ends on the field, but one is Darren Waller. So he doesn't really count as a tight end. You know what I mean? And they're trying to pass out of it anyway. The The Falcons are like, we are trying to be like Andrew Luck uh, Stanford. You know what I mean? 
Like, did Andrew Luck ever have that top wide receiver at Stanford? No, because that's not how that offense is built. With, with Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson as their running backs. It's not great. I, I was looking at um, their snap counts the other day, and, like, uh, I think it was four tight ends, four tight ends slash fullbacks are getting on the field more than their third wide receiver. I don't know if you could say that about any other team in the NFL. I mean, the only consistent there is, you know, Ridley's going to be there at there at uh, wideout, and then everyone else, it's just like a rotating cast of like heavy bodies, heavy bodies, and I just don't see how that's conducive to really winning football games right now when their offensive line is struggling the way that they are. I mean, you can look at their right tackle Mayfield. Um, if you're watching Falcons games, keep an eye on that right tackle. I mean, he's having a hell of a rookie year. <laughs> um, he's struggling real hard. Um, probably one of one of the worst linemen right now uh, in the league at this point. I mean, he's a young guy. Maybe he puts it together later in his career. But right now, he's getting his butt kicked. You could watch that Eagles game. And Matt Ryan, there's a clip of him standing over Matt Ryan laying on the ground. You might as well outline him in chalk. I mean, it, it was a tough one. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a body on the field. Yeah, just – Goodness gracious, Atlanta, you could have taken a quarterback and you took a tight end to be in your four tight end rotation so that you couldn't throw Calvin Ridley the ball after you traded Julio Jones. What an offseason. It's a struggle for fantasy lineups right now. Uh, If you happen to have Allen Robinson and Calvin Ridley on your fantasy team, I'm sorry. I would still put Calvin Ridley in my lineup over Allen Robinson, personally, just because even though you know, Matt Ryan's struggling. They look like a bad football team. They just don't have any other options. I know Cordero Patterson keeps having these monster fantasy games because he's getting all these just dump-off passes. But Calvin Ridley's the best football player on that team. They have to figure out how to get him involved in the offense more. And I just think there's a little bit more upside with Ridley than there is with Allen Robinson right now. So if I had to pick one, if I had both those guys, I would still put Calvin Ridley in my lineup each and every week moving forward and just hope they figure out how to get the football down the field. Uh, It'd be nice if they did that a little bit more with Kyle Pitts too, but we'll kind of see how this thing develops as the season goes on. Uh, Another team I want to get to real quick is the Carolina Panthers. Now, they've had an easy schedule, but they are undefeated. Their defense looks good. Sam Darnold uh, has been solid. Not great, but he's been very good so far, and that's part of the reason why the Panthers are undefeated. They are going to be without Christian McCaffrey this week. Chuba Hubbard was one of the most popular pickups of the week. I'm curious how you feel about what this offense is going to look like. Cause they got the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. They're going to have to put up points. This is a game where I would imagine they're going to be playing from behind for the first time this season. So it's a little bit of uncharted territory, but we saw how they utilized guys like Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel last year when Christian McCaffrey was out. So I think that could mean big things this week for Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall, uh, because I'm not convinced Chuba Hubbard's going to have that big receiving role the way that Christian McCaffrey does. Yeah, and then the other thing, too, is really, do we think Chuba Hubbard is going to become, like, the bell cow? Or do we think that he's going to rotate with Royce Freeman, right? That that also comes into play. Because it's not necessarily like a player moves up in the depth chart when, when an injury happens. When you have a Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey is different than most of the starting running backs in the NFL. So a lot of times when those guys go down, 
you end up seeing carries get split instead of, you know, we're just going to try to make Chuba Hubbard into Christian McCaffrey. Um, I agree with you passing game wise. I, I, I think they're going to have to lean on it more than, you know, their run game typically. Um, the other thing too is Carolina's defense in general, if we're talking about complementary football, right. And game flow and, and kind of how the ball gets distributed. Their defense has been great this whole season. They really haven't played um, a quality offense. Uh, that's a problem when you're going to play against the Dallas Cowboys Dak Prescott looks like, you know, peak Drew Brees and they have wide receivers on the field and, you know, they got two guys out of the backfield too. So I do think that like Carolina is probably going to struggle a little bit more in this game than they have the first three weeks of the season. Um, so just in general, like they're going to be passing the ball. I, I would try to stay away from the backs. I would think like if I have Chuba Hubbard on my fantasy team, my nightmare, right? is they get to like the five yard line and then you see Royce Freeman come off the bench and you're like, Oh my God, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. And I think that fantasy managers are looking at this like last season when Christian McCaffrey went down, Mike Davis was basically the bell cow, but I think the Panthers brought in Royce Freeman so late because they don't think that Chuba Hubbard is a guy that can hold up to that type of punishment. Like he, he's just not a huge running back. So I would be totally scared of that myself. But I do love the upside of a guy like Terrace Marshall, who's still available in a ton of fantasy leagues. So if he's available, I think I'd go swoop him up on my waiver wire this weekend because I think he's going to have a bigger role moving forward. We've seen over the first few weeks of the season that Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall first week of the season, Terrace Marshall was being outsnapped by Robbie Anderson in a, uh, in a pretty big majority way. It's gotten closer and closer over the, over the next two weeks. And so Terrace Marshall is finding a way he hasn't had that big breakout game yet as a rookie, but he is finding a way to carve a role into this offense and I just like the upside of Terrace Marshall. I think he's a really talented player, and I want to see him get involved in the offense. So I'm hoping they figure out how to do that this week. And I think they're they're going to have to put up points because, like you mentioned, Dak, Dak looked good in that game on Monday night. I know it was against the Eagles, but we've had questions about Dak's arm. Dak's arm, I thought, looked really good in that game. He was rifling some throws. Yeah, I mean, since the second half of that first game, you know, to open up the season, I think Dax looked a lot better. Um, it seemed like maybe it was more of a mental thing than like a physical thing, honestly, because starting week two, his arm looked totally fine. Second half of week one, um, it was looking good. So maybe it was just something where like his brain needed to catch up to, to kind of how that shoulder was feeling. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's operating in the pocket right now at the line of scrimmage. I'm, I'm not joking, like, like a Drew Brees type of quarterback. So when you add that plus the arm strength difference between what he and Drew Brees had, um, plus the mobility, I mean, that's he's an MVP type of quarterback right now. I'm not saying that he's going to win it. I, it's obviously very early. It's October 1st. Um, but, you know, Dak Prescott, he's that echelon of quarterback at this point. Would you rather have Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott as your starting quarterback right now? For one game or for, for just one in game. general? For okay. one game. Because I was like, if it's just in general, like Dak's younger to a point where I would just take him for one game. Oh, I'm going to take Dak, but like Seahawks Twitter is going to be my mentions for <laughs> it. Um, I, I just think he's more consistent. I mean, 
I just you asked that question. The first thing I think of was that overtime rep where uh, Russell Wilson almost took the damn safety and lost the game. And the snap was at like the 15 yard line and he just boots back because, you know, he gets pressure early in the down and it's just like, oh, let me go backwards. Yeah, that that question was really more for myself because it's an argument that I've been having with fantasy Twitter for years now. I've always been a Dak Prescott guy. And I've said for a couple of seasons that I would rather have Dak Prescott as my fantasy quarterback, at least than Russell Wilson. And and really in games, I just like what Dak does. I think he's an exceptional player. And yeah, Russell's just a little too inconsistent sometimes. I think that's not all on Russell, but I'd rather have Dak Prescott. I I just think that he's an exceptional quarterback. So uh, I love seeing Dak healthy and thriving right now. Let's take a quick timeout. And when we get back, we've got a fresh batch of NFL reacts polls and we'll go across the board and dive into some of our favorite fantasy sleepers and favorite bets of the week. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation? If you're just sitting around like you would at home, you need a tool to get the most out of your time away That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Y'all about to get ready to roll, man. So y'all put the kids in bed. Getting one more. Over. Under. I'm betting on myself. Across the board. Welcome back into NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Justice, we got a fresh batch of NFL Reacts polls that does not include the player that we're going to represent on this podcast because I totally forgot about it. We will have that next week, I promise. But what we do have, first question, what can Matt Nagy do the rest of the season to keep his job? 50% of the audience say nothing, he's fired. 40% say build the offense around Justin Fields. 10% say play Andy Dalton or Justin Fields. Play Andy Dalton or Justin Fields. I don't know who that 10% is. (laughs) 
don't, I don't know who those people. Who that? Someone who thinks Nick Foles is going to get into the game? Did you see uh, Nick Foles on the sideline? The little clip where the the cameras caught him during the broadcast, and he just goes, he, he's looking over to Andy Dalton covering his face, and he goes, "This offense just isn't working." I'm like, oh, yeah. that that's always a bad sign. Yeah. Um, I mean. I would say if you're trying to keep your job, you have to build the offense around Justin Fields. You spent all those picks. I mean, someone's going to undercut you in that organization politically and be like, see, he's the reason why we're not winning football games. We should actually keep everyone except for this guy and his coaching staff. You know, um, the front office will do it. Someone will do it. Um, the interesting thing to me is the timing of the firing. The, the Bears have never fired a coach in season before, ever, as an organization. And you know, it's a family-run team um, for whatever that's worth. So I do wonder if, like, uh, I, I've unfortunately made a couple uh, Matt Nagy first coach fired bets. Um, I, I do wonder kind of how that's going to play out because he was up there. Um, Zach Taylor was up there. Zach Taylor's 3-1 and one now. He's also playing for an organization that's, like, not really in the business of uh, paying coaches to not coach for their franchise. The Bengals are kind of cheap in that way. So – it's a weird spot. Um, I would say, you know, you have to build the offense around Justin Fields. That's how you keep your gig. We'll, we'll see if it happens. I mean, it seems like he's pretty adamant on, like, my system, my system, my system, my system. Uh, and I'll take it even a step further. Yeah, you have to build the offense around Justin Fields. But I think what could really help him keep his job is just give up the play calling. <laughs> give it to we, Bill Lazor. Bill Lazor was like, hey, we, no, Justin Fields has been that dude, so. Yeah, and we saw last season when you gave up the play calling that Mitch Trubisky started playing better. Like He was getting put in better situations to do the things that he's more capable of doing as a player. And this whole idea, I still don't understand this in the NFL, like how any head coach thinks, no, my system's foolproof. The players have to adapt to what I do. In the modern-day NFL, if you look across the league, all of the exceptional coaches, and even in college – they all change stuff all the time. They all adapt to the talent that they have. And I don't understand how you can succeed in the modern day NFL without being willing to change things up and adapt to, you know, your matchups or the talent that you have on the football field. It seems so simple, but we just see it year after year across the league. I mean, you guys cut up the, my rant from the Wednesday show and put it on Twitter about me talking about quarterbacks or individuals. It's not a position. You have to build around him. I, I very much believe that. And, you know, when you're uh, Matt Nagy and you have your call sheets littered around your your uh, dining room, have you seen that picture? Yeah. His family's at the table eating, and it's just call sheets everywhere on the walls. I mean, he, he might be built or, you know, wired a little different than most of us. I don't I don't understand how his wife puts up with that. Like. <laughs> how are you ever going to have anybody over with your dining room looking like that? Do you think his wife ever leans over and she's just like, build the offense around Justin Fields? <laughs> I hope so. Just do it. Just I hope so. It. That's what, uh, you know, you want your significant other to support you and, and tell you when you're wrong and you need to admit that you're wrong. And Matt Nagy, you were wrong right now. So <laughs> gee, I don't, I don't know who needs to tell you that, but somebody has got to get in your ear because it's not improving until you change some of the things that you're doing right now. Our uh, next NFL reacts question. Are the Broncos Super Bowl contenders? 10% say yes. 90% say no. I think we both side with the 90%. Uh, I am a little bit, 
curious about that though that 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 seems awfully high teddy bridgewater is playing fantastic this year and we know the denver broncos have a very talented defense yeah they haven't really played anyone though i mean that's that's the big thing is once get in a shootout win a shootout with teddy bridgewater let me see it right um that that would be my biggest uh i guess question mark there the the big thing is like super bowl contenders all right so the broncos aren't getting the one seed right? So they have to win a wild card game. They have to win a divisional game. They have to win a conference game, and then they have to win the Super Bowl. So you're talking about four straight wins against playoff teams. I just don't see Teddy being able to do that. I I don't think he even has like the volatility that like a Flacco could give you, right? Where like Flacco wasn't consistently a good enough quarterback to win a Super Bowl, but he at least had the upside where in big moments he could come through. Like Teddy I just don't necessarily see if I see that upside just in terms of like pure physical talent in the same way that like uh, that that Flacco had. So that's my big holdover. I, I think, you know, if you asked, are the Broncos a playoff team? I think people would be a whole lot more optimistic if it was. Can the Broncos win a playoff game? I think people would be a lot more optimistic. It's just stringing four of them in a row. It seems out of reach. Yeah, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender by any stretch of the imagination, but they are good. And the AFC West is just a really good division where the Chiefs are just bringing up the rear right now at one and two. But I don't think that anybody is convinced that the Chiefs are the worst team in that division. Now, before the season, I said it was the Raiders and the Raiders and the Broncos are both undefeated sitting atop the AFC West right now. And the schedule has something to do with it. The Denver Broncos get the Baltimore Ravens this week. We know that's a much tougher test than anything they face to date. So we'll see how that plays out for Teddy and that offense. Not having Jerry Judy has been a major bummer, too. Uh, he was a player that I was really excited for this season. He should be back. Uh, he's not like dealing with a season-long and season ending injury or anything like that. But it is a bummer that he got hurt so early in the season. Cause I do think he's going to make that offense a lot better when he's able to return. So we just talked about the Raiders and our next question, are the Raiders Super Bowl contenders? 33% say yes. 67% say no. I, I would like to find out. I mean, that was my pitch for uh Derek Carr being the Derek Carr podcast, right? I, I think we're week to week with this team. Um, I definitely have more doubts defensively than I do offensively just because their production on defense is just nuts up front. I mean, they're sending four, they're getting home with Yannick, they're getting home with Max, and uh, they're looking like the best pass rushing duo in the league. And if you would have asked that last month, I, no one would have agreed with you. You know, they, they would have said, that's absurd. Why are you going on such a limb? Uh, you're going to, you're going to rip out your arm socket going for a stretch like that. Right. So, I'm definitely more confident in their offense, which is weird to say after, you know, we already pitched you guys. Hey, Derek Carr podcast. I want to see him week to week because I don't know what he's got. But um, I definitely think that at this point, I mean, they're probably making the playoffs. I mean, how many of these AFC West teams are going to make the playoffs? Can we can we get all four in? Is Does the math even work there? Like it might happen. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea is that three of them could get in, but I would assume that it's possible for four teams to make it if everybody's records are that good. Like, I think all of us assume the Chiefs are going to figure some things out. They're not going to end the season like a sub-500 team or anything like that. And the Chargers right now, based on, you know, top-to-bottom roster talent, Justin Herbert's incredible, but they might have 
they have one of the younger rosters and maybe one of the least talented rosters in the division. When you take a look at Denver top to bottom and everything that the Raiders are doing right now, Derek Carr has been exceptional so far, but it does feel like the Raiders are playing a little bit above their heads right now. Like it's got to come back down to earth at some point and maybe it never does. Maybe this is just that magical MVP season for Derek Carr. 19 and 0. The 19 and 0 <laughs> yeah. Raiders. Yeah. Gruden's vision finally. Yeah. And Gruden, it's and Gruden can finally just give the finger to everybody who's been talking trash about his 10 year contract and all of the questionable moves he's made so far since returning. That's that's the dream season for John Gruden. So I don't believe the Raiders are a Super Bowl contender either, but they're a good football team right now. And I, I do think that they can be a playoff team. And they were a fringe playoff team last year before it kind of fell apart at the end of the season. Brings us to our next question. Who is the best one and two team in football? No surprise here. The Kansas City Chiefs, 83% of the vote. We all assumed the Chiefs were going to get a ton of votes here. It's We think the Chiefs are a really good football team. They're just dealing with some issues right now. Assuming they can get some of those things figured out, we'd expect them to bounce back and be better as they move along throughout the year. Uh, But the Minnesota Vikings had 7% of the vote. The Seahawks had 6%. The Dolphins, 1%. Washington, 1%. The Steelers, 1%. And the Philadelphia Eagles with 0.31% of the vote. I didn't even know we could get 0.31% of the vote on NFL Rehacks. But the Eagles are bringing up the rear, and I think everybody's assuming that they're going to start the season 1-3 and this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, that was just uh, BLG and uh, Michael Kist voting for the <laughs> Eagles there. That was it. Um, I, I mean, I think they're right. I mean, if you would have said Chiefs are going to start one and two, people would have laughed you off. I mean, we, we saw them basically only struggle in the Super Bowl because of depth at the offensive line because of injury, and they seem to address that, right? So um, I don't think anyone thought that the Chiefs were going to do this. Uh, the matchup between one and two Chiefs, one and two Eagles, give me the Chiefs, man, hard. Because if the Chiefs start one and three, right? If the Chiefs start one and three, I mean, they what? They have to finish. They have to win nine of their last 12 games. That's a very hard thing to do, even for the Chiefs. You know, that's basically assuming, you know, you're playing at like a one seed level for, for the rest of the season for the last three months. So they can't put themselves in a position like that. I did think it was interesting. Washington, all the way down to 1%. After people were talking, yeah, they can upset the Cowboys. They can upset the Cowboys. This is a quarterback league at the end of the day. And people really overthought Dak Prescott winning the NFC East just off of quarterback talent alone, I think. Yeah, and I think people were trying to convince themselves that Dak was going to take time to come back and really look like the superstar caliber player after last season's injury. But that hasn't been the case, and Washington's defense just has not been as good as everybody thought it was going to be. Like Structurally, there's a lot of talk, man, about, yeah, Washington might need to make a change at D.C. I'm sorry, Del Rio, but, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a tough one because they do have the talent. They have the horses up front, especially. You know, at the line of scrimmage, it's tough to beat a team like Washington, but on the back end, like, what they're doing just doesn't make sense, and they're getting gashed. Yeah, coming into the season, that was thought to be one of the premier defenses in the NFL, and they have struggled so far this season. So not surprised they are only getting 1% of the vote. Uh, I think same could be said about the Dolphins. I am surprised the Vikings were just ahead of the Seattle Seahawks, but I actually don't think that I disagree with it. Kirk Cousins is 
playing really well right now. They've had some bad luck, but the Minnesota Vikings are a talented football team. It's so weird to see the Vikings being like uh, offense, like the offensive strength, right? Instead of a defensive strength team. Yeah. Um, Because you think of Zimmer, I I think everyone still has a ton of respect for Zimmer, no matter what type of production that defense is doing. Like schematically, what Zimmer does is very good. But, you know, when he's out there talking about what's his name, Dantzler, the the corner that they drafted and they ask him, hey, what does he need to need to do to get on the field? And he says, play special teams. That's that's (laughs) never a good sign. Um, So it seems like there's just constant frustration with Kirk, but they're passing game offensively is like the strength of the team it's such a weird dynamic where it's like we can obviously get better at this position but this is like what is keeping us in games you know yeah and that that vikings offense is just loaded with talent adam thielen's not going to keep up this touchdown streak red zone percentage that he's been on going back to last season like it's just impossible for him to keep that up But Adam Thielen's still fantastic. Justin Jefferson is incredible. Healthy Dalvin Cook is incredible. Minnesota Vikings are a fun team to watch. So I actually kind of agree with them being slightly ahead of the Seattle Seahawks. The Steelers coming in at 1%. uh, Not a surprise. And that leads us to our next question. Is Ben Roethlisberger the biggest cause for concern in the Steelers offense? 71% say yes. 29% say no. I don't know what that 29% is watching if they believe Ben isn't the biggest problem that the Pittsburgh Steelers have this season. I mean, we talked about it on the Wednesday pod, right? Pittsburgh media, full-blown onslaught of, of it's not Ben. It's not Ben. It's not Ben. Matt Canada today, I saw this morning uh, before you know 8 a.m. meeting, uh, came out and said uh, the offense isn't changing. So, all right, what, what are we doing now? So... I think this is just their transition out of Ben. I mean, how different how different is Pittsburgh right now than like the end of the Eli Manning era in New York, right? I I think that's kind of where we're at, where it's like we're just trotting out our Hall of Fame quarterback out there, and you know, the fans will still rally around him, but he's not the same guy he used to be. And at some point we're gonna have to pull the plug. Yeah, it's just pretty simple right now. The Pittsburgh Steelers have the talent, at least at skill position, to be a much better offense than they are so far this season. And I understand offensive line was questionable headed into the year. They haven't exactly been great, but they haven't been as bad as we think they have been. Ben's just a bad football player now. And I love that Ben Roethlisberger, at this point in his career, it was this offseason where he finally said, all right, I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to get into shape. I'm going to lose 25, 30 pounds, and I'm going to come into this season ready to go. And it's going to make all the difference in the world where it's like, well, man, but you've been not taking care of yourself for 20 years. <laughs> like, 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 I this, don't know if three months is going to do yeah, it, bud. It's a, it's a little late in the game to decide that you want to start eating healthier and drinking smoothies instead of beers in the off season. So sorry, Ben, that's not really how it works, especially at that position. So yes, Ben Roethlisberger is the biggest cause for concern in the Steelers offense. Our final NFL reacts poll question of the week. Who's been the biggest surprise so far? The Panthers, 35%. Raiders, 31%. Broncos, 15%. Bengals, 13%. And the Texans, 6%. Now, 
I can totally agree with the Panthers kind of coming out of nowhere and starting the season undefeated because we were curious about how Sam Darnold was going to look. A lot of people weren't projecting their defense to look as good as it has so far this season. But I think the biggest surprise here should be the Houston Texans. Now, they're not a good football team by any stretch of the imagination, but we were projecting this team to be the hands-down worst team in the NFL. At least I was. I was confident they were going to be the worst team in football. And the fact that they've been competitive at all is the biggest surprise of the NFL season for me. And I, I wish Tyrod Taylor wouldn't have gotten hurt because Tyrod Taylor was just playing out of his mind prior to getting injured. Yeah, that's the big thing for me. It's once Davis Mills comes into the game, I'm like, all right, I don't I don't need to watch this anymore. This is a guy who is probably overdrafted in general off of physical traits and needed to sit on the bench for if if not one year, multiple years, you know, at the NFL level. Um, he was never he, I don't think he ever played a full season at Stanford. So I'm going to rule them off the list. Um, we talked about the Panthers and Broncos. My biggest concern there is you haven't really played anyone. Right. And, and the Bengals, it, to a certain extent, you haven't really played anyone either. They played Pittsburgh. They beat Pittsburgh. Sure. They struggled uh, that first half against Jacksonville, which the end of the game. I mean, it just happened last night. The end of the game was weird against Jacksonville where they, they took two knees. But the way that they ended or they took two quarterbacks uh, sneaks at the goal line to end the half. But the way that they ended up having to do it was they had to take a delay of game penalty and then also burn a timeout just to get into the sneaks. Um, but they beat Pittsburgh when Pittsburgh had cluster injuries at pass rushing positions. Um, they switched from Blitzburg to like, let's just spot drop and have Joe Burrow just eat us alive. Um, so I, I think you kind of throw that game out a little bit. Cluster injuries is always a much bigger issue than like even losing a superstar. Like once you get like practice squad guys that are out on the field, defensive coordinators start acting a little different. The biggest surprise to me is the Raiders and you know, that Baltimore win, I think week one is a big reason for that, frankly. Um, I know Baltimore struggled a little bit. Um, they've gone, you know, they went down to the wire with the Detroit Lions and had to literally kick the world's longest field goal uh, to win that game. But I think the Raiders at this point are the biggest surprise. And it's kind of why I want to keep tabs on them week to week. Yeah, I would say of these teams, the Raiders are probably the team that I think could go the farthest this season. Uh and I did pick them to finish last in the AFC West. So that was just like a total miss by me. The Raiders are playing fantastic right now. And their offense just seems like it's one of the more explosive offenses in football. And the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, three and one start, big win, came down to the wire on Thursday night football against Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I picked the Bengals in all of my survivor pulls this week. So I was sweating last night during that game. The first half must have been stressful. Cause I know <laughs> at, at halftime, I'm like, why this is, this is year three for Zach Taylor, right? A team yeah. in his vision. Like what are we doing? And then they, the Jags just, they kept running the same damn read option play with Trevor Lawrence. It, it, they ran speed option to have to change it up at the goal line. They ended up getting stuck. That's what turned over the ball. So the Bengals could get out of the half. Um, another score and they're probably if, if they score on that one single play right that fourth down at the goal line then Jacksonville probably ends up winning that game um, so I'm not you you could say three and one they are three and one in the record book you can't take that away from them I'm not trying to do that what I'm saying is that first half of that Bengals game literally yesterday made it very hard for me to be confident in the Bengals moving forward I'm sorry 
And it's worth noting that the Bengals' one loss is against the Chicago Bears, and that was an Andy Dalton-led team at the time. Andy Dalton revenge game. I mean, you can't can't (laughs) beat them. Yeah, so that that one loss is against the Chicago Bears, who just have all kinds of issues right now. So I'm a little skeptical about the Bengals, but Joe Burrow, very exciting young quarterback. Jamar Chase, uh, very exciting young wide receiver who everybody was down on headed into the season, and he's just done nothing but look like a baller. So... Cincinnati Bengals are at least an intriguing young team. I do want to get to our fantasy sleepers real quick before we get to Justice's favorite bets of the week. Uh, Kate did send in a sleeper this week, even though she wasn't able to join us for the show. She'll be back next week. I don't think this is a surprise to anybody. Buffalo Bills running back Zach Moss. So I'm going to assume her logic behind this sleeper pick is that Zach Moss was a healthy and active week one for the Buffalo Bills. But since then, he's been heavily involved in the red zone for Buffalo. He is among the league leaders over the last couple of weeks in inside the five-yard line carries. That's a very valuable fantasy asset on your team if you were thin at running back. You want guys who are at least going to get touchdown opportunities because that's what makes the money in fantasy football. So no surprise there. We know Kate loves Zach Moss. I actually really like... Miami Dolphins rookie wide receiver Jalen Waddle this week. He had 13 targets last week that turned into 12 catches only for 58 yards, though. Not exactly what you want. Did, out of the did you get minus Dolphins. points for the safety? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I'm sure. I'm sure most fantasy leagues got uh, subtracted points for that play. But I do like what Waddle has shown. I hate how the Dolphins are using him. Uh, everything's just line of scrimmage passes to him right now, but he's such an athletic player. I have to assume at some point he's going to break one of those, hopefully, or maybe they'll do what the Jaguars did last night with LaVisca Chenault and actually send Jalen Waddle vertical and give him a chance to make a play downfield. Some point throughout the season, he's going to have a breakout game. I think he's got a huge chance to do that this week against the Colts. The Colts have given up seven wide receiver touchdowns on the year so far. So I love Jalen Waddle. He's going to be super cheap in all of your daily lineups. He is a, a guy who I think has a strong chance this week to uh, be a dart throw who can definitely contribute. Uh, Justice, favorite bets of the week. I'm taking some favorites here. Uh, Dallas Cowboys at home minus four and a half against the Carolina Panthers. We talked about it a little bit already. Um Carolina's defense looks very good on paper. The stat sheet, they're great. Problem is they haven't faced a quarterback. They haven't faced wide re- multiple wide receivers yet. Dallas Cowboys have both of those. I, I think this game's going to be a little different, especially, you know, once they're out of their comfort zone of like Christian McCaffrey can't get the Brock. Um, and now, hey, Sam Darnold is our distributor. Can we keep up Sam Darnold versus uh, Dak Prescott? I think that's a, a mismatch that favors the Dallas Cowboys, Kansas city chiefs one and two. They need a win. They're favored by less than a touchdown minus six and a half on DraftKings. on the road at Philadelphia. I don't even care that it's on the road at this point. <laughs> Andy Reed score some damn points, get the ship straight. We got, we got to get it to 500 minimum with, with this team. So after back-to-back losses, I think, you know, the chiefs definitely need this win. Um, Los Angeles Rams minus four at home against the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not willing to call the Cardinals frauds, right? I I think that's a pretty strong term. Um, Here's what I'll tell you about the Cardinals. 
I worry about them defensively because the only guys that they that can cover on that team are like five nine. Okay, that's going to be a problem when uh, Matt Stafford's able to throw bombs down the field. Cornerbacks are bad. Cornerbacks the cor- are bad. The corners okay. are bad. The corners are bad. Here's the other thing: Cliff cannot manage a game worth a damn um, in terms of just like clock management, general decision making. Um, he's he's a great, I guess, uh, play designer for like what Kyler specifically needs, which is a huge benefit, I think, to Kyler's production. Um, but as a head coach, I'm giving the edge to the Rams defensively. I'm giving the edge to the Rams and gun to my head. And it's a lot slighter, um, than the other two phases, but offensively, I'd probably give the edge to the Rams too. So if you're getting one point above, you know, the three point swing for it being in Los Angeles instead of Arizona, I definitely take them. Um, bucks, another one minus seven at new England. I, I get the hype. That is going around this game where everyone wants to be excited and they're like, wow, Tom Brady's going back to New England. He's going to play in Foxborough against Bill Belichick. I understand the storyline. I understand that, like, in the scope of Tom Brady's career, we will be, like, writing about this game. This game will be remembered. This Patriots team isn't very good, and they're not asking Mac Jones to do a damn thing. And Tampa's got firepower. So once you got firepower, you got to start making decisions. I know people are going to be like, you know, Bill Belichick was in there with Tom Brady every day uh, in the room with him. You know, he knows all his flaws at some point. Like, it's just going to be like, yeah, he has Gronk. He has Godwin. He has uh, Mike Evans. I think uh, Antonio Brown's coming back. Right. I saw Bruce Arian yeah. said, you know, his 10 days are up. So no matter what, he's coming yeah. back to the team. So, yeah, you could scheme up stuff. It's hard to scheme up stopping five guys on the field every single and- play. And the Bucks are coming off of a loss. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, extremely motivated. Yeah. I, I just, I don't understand this. So, the Buccaneers, seven point uh, dog or seven point favorites on the road. I think it should be higher. I mean, none of these quarter, these rookie quarterbacks are playing good. I think I looked up uh, their record combined this season for rookie starters is one and 10. Uh, we always assume the rookie quarterbacks are going to be bad. Um, but, they're they're a lot worse than we even expected at this point especially for a class that was touted as like uh you know the best quarterback class you can't you can't miss on on this year if you need one take one this year don't take them next year and the production at least early on just isn't there he's justice Mosqueda of acme packing co you can follow him on twitter at j-u-m-o-s-q I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. Thank you guys so much for listening to everything that we're doing each and every week on NFL Reacts. I hope your lineups prosper. I hope you win some cash. Go get those dubs this weekend. We'll talk to you guys next week.